Righto, you legends, before we rip into another episode of the Deadass Podcast, I'd firstly like to thank our major sponsor, Country Tracker Caps, for the continued support of the podcast. You will find their merchandise at thecountrycompanies.com or if you'd like to design your own cap, head to countrytruckercaps.com. Knuckles has fired up a discount code for the pallbearers. Type in Deadass at the checkout to receive your discount. That is D-E-A-D-A-S-S. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> well, welcome back to another episode of the Dead Ass Podcast. I am your host, Brizey, and today we're going to do another morning show, the Halloween edition. Fuck, that was terrible. So what's been happening? Oh, by the way, um, I'm Summer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome back, Summer. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Good to be here. Yeah, no, I'm glad to have you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're here for a Halloween special edition. You can see – oh, well, you can't see because you're listening. <laughs> but, but for people who can't see <laughs> – no, well, for people who can't see, we've decorated – the uh, the studio with some uh, mm-hmm. Halloween stuff, and we've got our mm-hmm. mate Kelly the Skelly, <laughs> <laughs> Kelly the Skelly, yeah. Gary the Ghost, yeah, Gary the Ghost, um, with us today, who's going to join in on our conversations? We've got a, we've actually got some good stuff going on today, haven't we? Mm, we've got some fun, fun ish stuff to talk yes. about. A little bit lighthearted, uh, obviously some of it serious, but Halloween style, Halloween style. Um, so, firstly, what do we start? Uh, we've done the Halloween music. So that's good. The start. There that's we go. Um, Tick. Now, about the Halloween special. 
Yes. It's based around Halloween stuff. Yes. Um, but what's the background at Halloween? Summer? I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad you asked, Brian. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Halloween is actually... <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my notes. <laughs> we'll cut that out. <clears throat> Halloween is actually an age-old tradition. It yeah. comes from the Celtic festival of Samhain. So basically... Before Christianity, paganism, that uh, type of thing. Okay, sure. Um, people would uh, welcome the harvest at the end of summer because it was a bit more of a um, American yeah, um, okay. continent type thing. And they would light bonfires and wear costumes um, to ward off ghosts. Yeah. Um, it was part of the idea was wow. to keep evil spirits away because a lot of people believed that um, the 31st is when the spirits could come out and walk amongst us. Oh. And so they would wear masks to hide their face um, and blend in with the rest of the ghosts and ghouls. Oh, wow. Mm. That's pretty interesting. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's funny how uh, Australia is only just sort of starting to adopt the, um, the Halloween themes, eh? I love Halloween. I love it. Um, and also trick-or-treating. Uh, it's like... Uh, an offering, you know how you offer things <laughs> to yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an offering to the spirits to like try and appease them, ah, so they don't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. So there's a bit of a bit of a background story there for Halloween, if you didn't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, we lost. We sort of get into the spirit of it. I, I, um, when sort of like I think it was like the first or second year after we bought our our family home. <laughs> <laughs> this was like quite a while ago. People weren't accepting of the um, Halloween theme yet. So obviously mm. I looked like some sort of sicko that I decided to take the hearse home and park it at the front of the, <laughs> at the, front of the house. <laughs> and I put like a skeleton in there and I put some little bits and pieces. But I was like the only one that did it in the street. Yeah, so I know. I was that weird. I was that fucking weird dude. I mean, you still are that dude. Still but am, but everyone else does it now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not too bad. Yeah, exactly. I sort of blend in a little bit. So, yeah, but uh, I get right behind it. I love it. I love it. I know you do. Yeah, back in the sunny coast, mm. I used to decorate the house massively. I had a skeleton larger than the house roof and yeah. I went crazy and um, I used to try and one-up myself every year. So. Yeah, no, so it's it's cool. It's cool that people get behind it. Like I've seen people already starting to put stuff up and we're really only halfway through October mm. and it's really just that one weekend, isn't it? Well, it's fun. Who doesn't yeah, like candy cool. and who doesn't like dressing up? And Trick-or-treating. Remember we used to silly. see it when in the movies and all that sort of stuff growing up as kids? Like, man, I wish we could do that. I know. That would have been so cool. I'm and so I'd... happy that my daughter gets to do it and through her to, childhood. And you get to live through the children. Yeah, I live through my daughter. Yeah, yes. yeah, literally. Yes. Uh, so I'm like, go out and enjoy your get, trick or treat. You get that candy <laughs> and you bring enough home yeah. for dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. So let's dive into it. So we've already done that. Uh, now, since we've last uh, had the morning show, we've had quite a few people reach out to us. Um with some questions for the morning show. Um, so one of them, um, I'll start bringing up some on my phone and on, I've had some emails come through. So thank you so much to the Paul Bearers who have reached out 
and sent us through some emails and questions and stuff. Absolutely love it. I appreciate it immensely mm -hmm. for what everyone's been doing. Love to see it. Yeah, it's cool. Keeps me keeps me pumped and keeps the show going. So much love to you all for that. Uh, so firstly, um, this uh, message came through from Lisa. She asked uh, a question for the show. What do you do when the clothes that the family provide for the deceased to be buried in or, you know, cremated in, I guess, no longer fits them? Mm. So example, mum's favourite dress that she wanted to be buried in is a size 10. But when mum passes away, she is now a size 14. Mm -hmm. Enjoy listening to the podcast. Hope to get the answer here on the show. So thanks, Lisa. I appreciate that. Thanks, um, Lisa. So generally um, what we do is if the clothes do not fit the deceased person um, mm -hmm. and they would love to have that piece of clothing attached mm -hmm. to them, what we do is we actually make a little incision in the back of the, in the, back of the, the um, clothes. Yes. And so, right. it, so if they don't fit properly, we might make a half an incision so that they do fit properly. Or mm -hmm. the other option is um, we actually cut the back of it completely. And so mm. we'll actually still put the shirt or the dress, we'll put the hair, put the arms and that through the sleeves mm -hmm. and around the collar, but the back of it's actually been cut out so that the, the back of it's actually been cut up the back so that you can't, so it can dr uh, surround them better. Mm, well, you wouldn't know any different. No, well, you wouldn't. Because they stay you, in the one position. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, so that in itself, uh, so that at least they still get the opportunity to do that. I'd like to piggyback off that a little yeah, bit if that's it, all right. Please. Yeah, Um from my own personal experience, I think it's really nice when somebody um, is buried or cremated in everyday clothing. And, I'm, yeah. and I say that because when you view them, you'll see them, I mean, when... As when they you, normally yeah, would be. As you, when you see a person, they're always just in, you know, a T-shirt and jeans. or yeah. And that's how you remember them. That's how you see them. And then, you know, when the time does come and you see them in the coffin, if they're wearing the same sort of clothes that they that you saw them in every day, it's a bit more, I don't know, it feels a bit more... Real. Yeah. Uh, a bit more, yeah, more, more real of them. More like, like them. More like them, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Because I find that, I always say to families, like, when you, if you want your loved one to be dressed in a certain clothing, just get them to be dressed in something that they would feel comfortable in yeah. because that's how you remember them. And plus, I'm not going to lie, like if it was me and I was some of my family members addressing me, the last thing I would be going out is a bloody suit. I want something nice and comfortable. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I mean, you, so, you don't see me walking around in a ball gown every yeah. day. So. No, well, actually, to that point, I actually said to my family, I said, I came into this world naked, I'm going out naked. <laughs> For the love of God, Brian, just it's going to be hard enough. And I said to the kids, I was scaring all the kids. I'm like, my kids. Yeah. <laughs> all the kids no, no, about my nudity. Kids. Yeah, well, I said to my kids, I said, part of the wheel is, is that you've got to come to the viewing. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're not getting your inheritance. So it really traumatised those kids, Brian. Yeah, Make it. it really, really scary yeah. for them. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, next question. <laughs> so, uh, <coughs> so we've had a couple other questions come in. Um, now here's one, uh, these ones have come through from, uh, Matt Pilly. Uh, Matt, thanks for share. Uh, he also received some stickers that I sent him. So shout out to that. Thanks, mate. He actually asked about hearses. Mm. He actually okay. asked about a question about the hearses. He goes, 
as they are such a face of the business, are they all custom made? Where do you buy them? Does anyone in Australia still use the old horse-drawn hearse? Um, mm. And he said that he absolutely loves the Harley hearse. So thanks, mate. Firstly, um, all the hearses are, are normally custom-made hearses. So yeah. we've actually got hearse manufacturers here in Australia. Uh, some of them are f- famous known um, hearse manufacturers who have manufactured other sort of great stuff. They give a mention to some people. There's a couple of big ones. Um, Hillier's. Um, uh, they are uh, probably one of the premier um, hearse manufacturers. You've got Hammond as well, Hadley. Um, there's a, just a couple to mention. Um, so what happens? Do you buy a certain car yeah. and take it to them? And yeah, then so they traditionally, like traditionally, normally, majority of the time, back when Ford and Holden were manufacturing here in Australia, mm. um, it was a Holden or a Ford. Normally a Ford. Ford was the more common one. Um, You would buy a brand new Ford or you'd buy a 12-month-old or two-year-old Ford, uh, mainly a station wagon. And -hmm. then you'd take that station wagon to these Hearst manufacturers and they'd cut it up. So they'd cut it up, extend the backing, Mm -hmm. they'd probably put a dress the front of it. It might have just been a standard Ford or something, but they might make it a Ford Fairlane front, put a Fairlane ass on it, you know, just to make it um, more luxury appearance for for the family. So that's what you traditionally did. Okay. All right. You would you would get a you get a buyer car and they would strip it stretch it and then that's what you would get. Um, now those horse drawn hearses themselves, I know there is a couple of people I know. I, there's one here in town actually that uses a horse drawn hearse. Oh, um, yeah. Very rare, very hard to sort of get out and use. Like the productivity of it's actually quite hard because you imagine you have to get the horses together. You yeah. have to get the the from what I've seen they they take the horse-drawn hearse to the place then they yeah. go back get the horses the horses come they load up the horses have the horses ready for it mm. then they do the funeral place the deceased in the back of the horse drawn then they do the horse parade to the thing and then they've got to put the horses back so it gets quite it's quite an event yeah but it's very rare but there are still people mm. that do it yeah yeah definitely so i wanted to mention that um he did on the he did man he he did mention on, on further note with these with this question he goes oh, okay you know i mean he goes, are they made to custom order each funeral home or generic hearse that's already available to purchase? So I think these days they're more generic. Like you can actually they just buy a pre-made like Mercedes hearse and that sort of stuff. I think they're importing them from Germany or somewhere like that uh, because of the because you can't get Ford or Holden anymore. Yeah, of it's course. It's really hard to sort of – got to get – you're using the older things. They are extending out and trying different – Vehicles. I think there's even the talk of getting electric ones made. Like tes- there's in the talks of Tesla having a funeral, uh, having a hearse. Um, but yeah, but that does sort of um, answer that question, I think. So could you get any car that you wanted um, turned into a hearse? Technically you could. So if somebody were to buy like a convertible um, little Nissan 350Z and wrapped it in pink and then got it converted into a hearse. Would that be doable? No, it wouldn't be, Summer. Okay. Just a question <laughs> for a friend. <laughs> no, it probably could be actually. It probably could be. You could probably have the front as a convertible and then like have a little capsulated part at the back of it where you could actually put the put the coffin in it. But you could have it open because, I mean, your I'll Harley... I'll have a convertible one, yeah. Yeah, well, your Harley yeah. hearse is open. Yeah, I don't know how structurally sound it would be, but I suppose it'd be like a ute. 
Probably. Yeah, I suppose if you had the money. Wouldn't you just be cheaper to get a ute and cut the roof off the ute? Let's not talk semantics, Brian. <laughs> talk common sense. <laughs> that was just a question. No, it's a good you. question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that one. That's a good one. Um, he actually goes – so uh, Matt actually goes on to share some more stuff. He goes, okay. also back around Christmas time, I was doing some work on a hotel refurbish when I found a deceased girl in one of the rooms. We called it in and the police came by as with the ambulance, etc. A few hours later, a van turned up to make the transfer. It was a local funeral home, but I noticed that the van seemed like an ordinary van that would have been out on the roads without any notice, which makes sense. But I'm curious mm -hmm. as how the transfer van is set up and the regulations around the van. Mm -hmm. Such the damn – and he goes <laughs> – such. A, he gives a nice little smug comment about <laughs> about Cole forgetting the tissue box. I'm sure oh. that van had the tissue box in that one. I could guarantee you that one did. That one would have, yeah. yeah because Fucking yeah. Cole, I tell you. that's probably like a really good funeral company with yeah. great employees. Professional standards. And, yeah, yeah, professional staff. Yeah. At least they know to keep a tissue box in the van. Yeah, mm. yeah. So thanks for that um, message, Matt. That's, that's awesome, dude. Um <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The, the thing with the vans are it, it, they're basic setups. So they're just mm. they're they're the van. The vans are base. They're the most convenient vehicle to use without with minimal modification. The van's height as well is great, so that you can actually have the capability of two, three, four mm -hmm. stretches in the back of the van um, with a lifting device of some sort to place a decease into that. So it's just it's it's a practicality thing. You don't have to do much customization at all. It blends in too, mm -hmm. so not yeah, many you, people. You don't want something, no, yeah. no, something inconspicuous. Yeah, that's right. And you also, want to blend in. You don't want it. You don't want it to be noticeable. And you don't need refrigeration or anything like that. No, not, it's literally like a ten-minute drive. Yeah, especially if you're drive. doing the local stuff. I yeah. mean, the only the only time you'd ever have really refrigeration is if you're doing the long haul stuff. Yeah, where it is where it is normal up this way because there's no pathologist here in the central Queensland region. All of the coroner's cases have to be transferred to. Mm. Brisbane for post-mortem examination. So you have to have those refrigerated vehicles to transport the deceased. And there's special companies that do that now there too. There are specialised yeah, transfer with companies their own vehicles that do with everything. their own vehicles, their own fleets of refrigerated mm. vehicles. It's a completely um, separate company to the funeral homes themselves. So mm. that's the way that they sort of do it up here. It might, it's a bit different down down south, but this is how they do it up in Queensland. Yeah. <clears throat> So I thought that was some uh, that was some really good thing. That's some great um, question. He also yeah he had he had a couple other here too actually. Almost uh, one more I must mention. He goes also embalming training. Um, was that private uh, to the funeral home of of a course or an education facility like TAFE? So um, yeah, all your all your embalming trainings, um, all your qualified embal qualified embalming is through TAFE. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, through TAFE Victoria. I didn't know mm. that. Yeah, they offer it as a service. Yeah, the certificate for embalming, um, and then uh, then you can qualify to join the Australian Institute of Embalming if you wish. So, but that's you don't have to join the Australian Institute of Embalming if you don't <coughs> want. So, the certificate for an embalming is that as high as you can go, or mm -hmm. can you go higher than no, that? No, as high as you go. Okay, you got certificate for in funeral services operations as well. Okay, certificate three for in funeral services plus then cert for embalming. You got to have a cert three in funeral service operations or whatever it is before you can apply for the cert four in embalming. Oh, yeah. You've got to do the okay. minimum requirement of grief. It's grief and um, grief and trauma, physiology, and 
anatomy, um, then the funeral operations side of it. Some of it's a little bit mm, mundane and a bit mm. boring and annoying because especially if you're just wanting to concentrate on the embalming side of things. like Because so, yeah. there are certain places that you, that's all you do. You're embalming or body yeah. preparations all day. You're not actually dealing with the public. Everyone has their own sections. Yeah, so I anyone think. that's sort of like looking for that sort of stuff, you still have to go through the standard funeral director's process as well before you can actually do the embalming, which is a little bit annoying. But I guess it's probably just, just in case uh, you get a feel for what's really going on. Yeah, so you can cover all your bases. Yeah, yeah. I... um. I'm not too sure what was the other um, – oh, <laughs> I had one fellow ask me about um, embarrassing and cringe moments oh. <laughs> on services and uh, that's from Todd Fellows. So thanks, Todd, for reaching out about that. His example was um, <clears throat> he got to the part of planning – he goes to – so the dude went to this uh, arrangement. He got to the point where they'll do an arrangement – um, and at the, at the, where they're doing the arrangement, his Nana's name, whatever name it was, um, they also had another resident at the same nursing home with exactly the same name, different middle names, but that funeral home had the prepaid funeral details for the other name. So okay. they turned up and they're going, Oh, Hey, you know, old Mrs. Smith. Yeah. We've got her prepaid funeral plan here with us, blah, blah, blah. And you know, Todd's family is sitting there going, yeah, right. Okay. That's a bit weird. Like. Nana always said to us that she's put her money aside in her own separate account, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, yeah. long story short, they ended up finding out that there was another chick in the thing, the same exact name, and then they've told him, and then he's just obviously gone all red-faced and embarrassed. Uh, Wrong <coughs> grandma, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Both a bit. Today. Yeah. <coughs> oh, bloody hell. Um, so, yeah, that's, that was one of the questions. Uh, embarrassing and cringy moments. I don't know. I can't really think of many <laughs> embarrassing and cringy moments. I mean, that's just your day-to-day life. Though, I'm a constant it? cringe, aren't yeah. I? <laughs> it's an embarrassment to this family, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't. No. Nah, look, I'll have to come back to that one because I can't can't really think of any any off the top of my head. I mean, like it's not so much on my side. Like I've, there's been embarrassing moments where you've had things happen to other like people in the family. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, Look, I'm sure I've got an entire list that I've just put in the back of my brain because I never wanted to think about it again. So <laughs> that, I'll dig deep. That's partly the partly of the reason too, I guess. There was a, oh, you know, like I've had you know family members get into fights. You see people getting that. I mean, that's embarrassing. Oh yeah, getting in fights. You see people go to jump in the grave. You've had, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go, that, oh. that's what I want. I want someone screaming and crying at my graveside, threatening to jump in. Carrying on. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah, he. I'll. I'll get back to that one. I'll. I'll have a think about it while we're going through the podcast. And if there's something, I'll. I'll. Um, I'll mention it for sure. Actually, that reminds me of that. Um, guy in America who was um, selling his services as a mourner and he would <laughs> he would go to their funerals for $100. He would weep and cry loudly for like $200. He would scream that he's going to go in the grave with you and then for $500 he will jump in the grave and make a big scene. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, on that note, I'll uh, get back to you on that one. Um, on another question we have here. This mm-hmm. is from uh, a lady by the name of Crystal mm-hmm. uh, from New South Wales. And she uh, she uh, DM'd us 
Um, mm-hmm. She goes, I'm, I'm a firefighter in New South Wales and we are quite frequently faced with death as we are uh, a rescue station and cover a tre- uh, treacherous spans of road where motorbikes like to frequent. I'm always curious with the process that happens after someone is recovered and sent on their way, but I think it would be frowned upon if I start quizzing the poor bloke that had come to collect the person. Which is a fair, fair question. Also, yeah. is it also, also is it normal to have the deceased cremated before the funeral? I recently attended a funeral of a family friend and I was interested to find a small box containing the ashes in front of the service, mm-hmm. not the coffin, ready for committal. I had never come across that before. Mm-hmm. Um, that is some good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that the process in New South Wales for the recovery of deceased people are very similar to Queensland. Mm-hmm. But so essentially what we would do up this way, um, once we've been on our merry way, after we've done the recovery, we would literally go up to the hospital, make a lodgement up to the hospital. Okay. And then from th- that point, it's up to the family to get in touch with the funeral director to organise release from the coroner. So even though – so. Up this way, so even though the bodies may be at the hospital, they're under the gut, they're under the coroner's department. Yes, at the okay. hospital, right? So not to be confused with, so you don't make the application to the hospital, you're going to make the application to the coroner to yes. get released from that hospital. So, <clears throat> so you're literally doing a pick up and a drop off, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your funeral. No. You're just doing that service yeah. for doesn't, the coroner. That's exactly yeah. right. It's got nothing to do with us. That's why. Like um, before um, Matt was asking about a plain van oh, turning yeah, up. Yeah. That's a part of the requirement. No signage, yep. no nothing. You've got to be you, – you've got to look incognito. You can't – you're not there advertising your business. You're mm. there working on behalf of the coroner. No, exactly right. Yeah, which makes sense. So that's – so literally from that point from the curry is straight to the hospital. Yeah. And then from there, depending on the place – um, the ho- some hospitals might have their own autopsy facilities there where they'll do a post-mortem examination. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, that will be transferred to – I think a lot of these places these days actually just have one hub. It's just one, one coroner's hub. Like, for instance, in Queensland, uh, in Brisbane, it's the Jong Tong Centre. Yeah. Um, I think majority of them now, even up to, way up to our area, they're all transported to that one place. That one place is where the pathologists are. They do the post-mortem examination there. And then they go back. I've done a couple of dealings with New South Wales. And I think the New South Wales death, death registration system is absolutely shit. But that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, that um, the way that it is to register a death down in New South Wales is terrible. Absolutely terrible. Fair and enough. it makes it so hard for people to obtain a death certificate. And it's just the system in place is terrible. But that's just my, that's just my opinion. Um, Queensland's a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Um, so... But I, I guess that the, the the involvement from where the person passes away, they go to the nearest hospital. From the nearest hospital, they go to the facility where they do the post-mortem examination. Once the post-mortem examination is complete, then that person is then brought back to that original hospital that they were taken to in the first place. Okay. And that probably also brings in um, that other company that purely does, does transfers, yep. hey. So, so they, yes. they would transfer from the hospital yes. to John Tong, so let's, John Tong back yes. to the hospital. So let's play a scenario out. Okay. Okay, so the person passes away, 
tragically on the highway just outside of Rockhampton here. Yeah. We would do a transfer from that or, you know, at the funeral, the coroner, whoever's working for the coroner, go and do that transfer from that site. Yeah. The funeral, the one that's contract, contracted by the coroner, then move, take them back to the hospital. Yes. Well, that's their job complete. They're done. Yeah. From that point, that subcontracted, that contracted Transfer company. company yep. will pick that body up. They'll be mm-hmm. sealed in a – so they'll be in the body bag. So, okay, they'll be in that body bag mm-hmm. with a sealed tag. Yes. So, we, so the coroner actually – the people who contract by the coroner, they'll seal at the scene. Okay? Oh, yes, yeah, so that yeah. nobody touches. Yeah, touches. And does any, yep. So as if, as if they were from that scene. So that's yep. one thing I must oh, – sorry, I meant to pay back and highlight. It's like the whole a chain of – yeah. Evidence, yeah, thing. that's right. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, sorry to take it back there. So we'll start again one more time. So the coroner piece, people who are contracted by the coroner will mm-hmm. do the retrieval from the scene, mm-hmm. they seal the bag at the scene. Yeah, the body bag with the deceased in it's transferred to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Once they're at the hospital, there that's mm-hmm. the finished job for the coroner side of things. Yeah, then it's up to the that transfer company to transfer that body mm-hmm. from the hospital to the place where they do the post-mortem examination and then bring them back to the hospital once it's done. Yes. So they'll wait down there until it's done and then they'll brought the body back. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. And right. then it's up to the family to organise where the um, – who what funeral home, what yeah. wants to use – wants to do the service and whatnot. They make an application to the coroner, the coroner accepts it and then they can go ahead and take care of funeral arrangements. But it can be a lengthy process too. So there's been times where funerals are taken have been up to a couple of weeks because they just can't they go wait for the waiting for post mortem examinations, they're waiting for transportation, it's all other bits and pieces. Yeah. So it's quite, it can be quite a lengthy process. Can I I'm gonna ask a question mm-hmm. and you are more than welcome to wipe it clean. All right. Um, That's always a good start. Uh so I have a thing about car accidents. Mm-hmm. I when you watch a movie, somebody gets in a car accident, they bang themselves on the head and they pass away with mm. this little trickle of blood. Mm-hmm. We know that's not the reality yeah. of yeah. the majority of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I wanted to ask at a scene that was quite brutal or horrific mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, when you say that you collect the person, pop them into the body bag. Mm-hmm. Do you have to go around and well, make sure that you collect every little part of that person is what I'm... As much as physically possible. Yeah, okay. There is certain circumstances where accidents is, are that horrific mm. that the, you know, the remnants of a person could be scattered quite some distance along that scene. Yeah. And I'm talking metres, 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 metres. So it, you, you know, you literally can be out looking for remnants of that person. And this is the person who is conducting the transfer yes. on behalf of the coroner. That's hey. correct, yeah. So that is the that's the person who is contracted by the coroner to look after the retrieval. So i.e. the private funeral home. They're the ones that are you know, so that could be quite horrific for those people if oh, they're not, you know, absolutely. If because their scenes are real. Like they, yeah. like that's that's as real as it gets. So, yeah. some things that are portrayed uh, that you see on film, where you see this car roll 15, 20 times, and this person just gets out with a little thing on, 
Um, that's not normally the case. Eh? Yeah. That's quite the opposite, you know. So, yeah. yeah, so that – yeah, that's usually might be over-exaggerated a fair bit there on, on, the, on the filming side of things. Well, I, I mean, I guess it is possible but not, not normally. I think I also wanted to bring it up just so that people get a bit more of an idea of what goes into being a transfer person for a coroner. Oh, for because, retrievals, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people would just assume that, you know, the police officers or… or the, you get there, you know, sorry, everything's already completed, yeah, you're you just, just there. you literally just pick yeah. up and go. No, most of the time the, um, the people who are contracted by the coroner, they're the ones that have to put on the gloves, have to put the boots on, have to put the, you know, PPE. Mm-hmm. Certain cases it might have to be respiratory equipment. Yeah. Could be anything. Yeah. They're the ones that are physically on the ground having to pick up stuff. Yeah. Okay, so remnants, a lot, a lot involved. Yeah. yeah, definitely. To the point where in certain times we've had to take shovels out. Yeah. Like that as that a as yeah. a as a you can understand that's what I mean. Like that yeah. can be that bad. Yeah, you know? well, it's the reality of a oh, car crash. Oh, it is, crash, yeah. 100%. It? Yeah, not just car crash, any other scenes too. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know, Sorry, someone yeah. that could be, you know, deceased for quite some time or self harm or yeah. um, uh, could be any kind of accident. It could be just a, a fall or, you know. And also, you guys are there, you collect as much as you can and you transfer that person out of there. Mm-hmm. But that scene is still um, contaminated, still has Oh, blood. yeah. yeah. Oh, so I think a lot of people might not realise that if somebody passes away at home, the cleaning of it mm-hmm. will fall down to them or they will have to hire a special company to come in. Yeah, and that's true because, oh, you do have those death scene cleaners um, and, you know, like, we will try and do as much as we can to help out. Yeah. You know, and we have in the past. Yeah, of course. But there's certain things where scenes are just like, I'm talking like they permeate through the floors, yeah. you know, so it's ruin the floors, get underneath the walls. Some mm-hmm. people, you know, walls have to be pulled out, carpet mm. has to be replaced, floors have to be cut out. There's, I mean, there's some serious, like, you know, because it gets through everything, yeah. you know, the remnants of a person. Um, so, yeah, there is, there is those specialised companies that are, you know, engaged to look after that stuff yeah um because not not all not all cleaning places will want to do it either well no and there would be a lot of cleaning places that are just general household duties yeah and it would take special equipment to do a lot of that cleaning yeah and also too like you know like you'd have to do it several times over too like some of them some of them are absolutely terrible yeah some of the things that i've seen but yeah, no, that's but that's no, that's a good thing just to give people an idea of how real it can be. Yeah. Um, you know, so. You know, it's not. All, but that's but they but they are rare cases too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, yeah. we're talking we're talking the extremes here too. Yeah. Just so that people understand that. But um, yeah, look, that's pretty much the basic run of most questions that I have this week. I think. Well, we just skipped over. Um what did we skip her, over? Was it Crystal? Her last question oh, about... Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, this too. She went to a funeral and... She, oh, that's right. The yeah. ashes were at the front. Yeah, that's, that, was a good, that was a really good question too. Um, that's been... That's getting more and more of a common occurrence these days. Mm. A, lot of it, a lot of it was probably due to the pandemic. Yeah. That sort of brought it on because Changed there was people that just couldn't get there. Yeah. 
So it sort of created this style where people were just going ahead and getting their loved ones cremated and then mm-hmm. waiting for the opportunity for people to be able to catch up and then do something. So yeah. one, that sort of started it. Two, because of financial reasons as well, mm-hmm. it is a lot more cost effective to have a person cremated straight away yep. and then organise something yourself. Yeah. Just a little gathering, could be in the backyard, could, mm. be, at a, could be at the bar. Um, people these days are just more in tune with just doing something more simple, no frills. Like people, a lot of people these days are just going down that route of not wanting a traditional service. This is mm. the way that they're going. Like they're going, you know, let's just have grandma, dad, mum, whoever cremated. They was they love getting on the piss. Mm. Let's just let's just get them cremated. We'll take them down to the pub. We'll sit his ashes on the bar there, and we'll just have a couple of drinks and you know yeah. have a bit of a yarn and. Celebrate their life that way. Yeah, people don't want to. People don't want to go down that stuff. People, people, people. A lot of people are finding it hard to find solace in religion these days, and all these. Business. I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, pe- people are having troubles finding comfort in or finding things in other in things like that. You know, and then people are getting annoyed with traditional style funerals too. Mm. People don't want to do that. They want to play the music they want to play. They want to yeah. they want to swear and have a bit of a carry on and joke and do the things that that person would have done in their life. So I can yeah. understand that stuff. Yeah. I can also understand people that want the traditional side of things. Yeah. But but for this particular thing, mm. um, I think mainly people going away from that traditional thing, yeah. the pandemic helped it. A bit more cost effective. And more cost effective. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, plus – you can give people more time to come to the funeral. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. A lot of people can't just drop things and come yeah. within a couple of days or a week. It's Yeah. You know. And look, I understand I understand when people can't make funerals and I understand why I understand that part. Yeah. But I I the one thing I sort of sort of get people have become more accustomed to having live streaming there all the time. Like it's like people expect it to be there. We're to the point where we get people calling us all the time asking if there's going to be live streaming there. Yeah. Or okay. half expecting it to be there. Yeah. I'm not really much of a component for that, me personally. Yeah. I'd rather be if – I, if I can be there, I'll be there. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't – I think the idea yeah. of the idea of the live, the live streaming for people that can't make it as opposed – there's people yeah. I know – <laughs> There's people I know in town <laughs> that aren't going to the funeral that are asking me for a live stream. <laughs> like, why? Why can't you take 30 minutes to go, 40 minutes to go, just pop five minutes up the road and go and pay your respects to the funeral? Yeah. Pay your respects to the person. I, yeah. I just think it's so impersonal. But that's just me. That's my but personal opinion. It's also a show of support to the family. You rock up, you sign your name in the book and – you know, give everyone a little bit of a cuddle and just to show your physical support to them. I don't think you can really do that if you're watching a TV. Yeah, that's you know? exactly right. Yeah, um, 100%. So, you know, like that's... There's pros and cons to it. There is pros and cons to it. Um, I think that's pretty much most of the... I know there's a there was a couple other questions that came through. I'm going to kick myself later on because uh, oh, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. That was not <laughs> so. Eli sent. I think I. I think I was talking about this one last time with Cole, but I brought this one up again, and I was talking to you about it today, and that was talking about scandals. 
Oh, yes. Ooh. Yes, scandals. Do, 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 do. scandals. You said scams to me. Oh, did I say scams? You said scams to me. Uh, I'm like, sorry, what's scam. a scam? I know, oh, scam. No, it is a scam. Sorry. Now, speaking of a mate of mine, Buster Kirby, who has the Two Flogs podcast. Okay. And he sent me. <laughs> he's a bloody champion, this bloke. He sent me a, um, a one of those like uh, little cl- clips. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're releasing they're releasing doves. Oh yes, and as okay. As soon as it releases, boom, truck. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> a truck clips it. So which may room uh, which reminded me, shout yes. out to Buster, um, of the biggest scam in the funeral industry. The biggest scam. The biggest scam, and I'm. I'm ashamed that I have to bring this up. Right? What is it? What is it? What is it? You know when they say that they're releasing doves for the funerals? <gasps> the people there? Yes. They're white homing pigeons. <gasps> That's so scandalous. <laughs> it's a fucking scam. <laughs> so it's, they're He's not a dirty pigeon. It's just a dirty <laughs> white pigeon. <laughs> Brian, have you ever seen a baby pigeon? No. That's because they work for the government. (laughs) (laughs) Especially those white ones. (laughs) Yes, the birds work for the bourgeoisie. (laughs) That's that's why. I'm telling you. So I'm ashamed to bring it up. So that's the biggest scam. It's not, they're not doves. They're white homing pigeons. So when they let them go, they go back home. Wow. Yeah. Mm. So, Um, but the problem was. (laughs) I'm shocked and appalled. I know. The funny thing. (laughs) Funny thing <laughs> is that the local hawks and eagles cottoned onto the plant <gasps> so oh, no. at the local cemetery area. So when they go to do release, they're releasing these so-called doves. All right, white homie pigeons. When they release them, they halfway through bid fight, <gasps> boom, <laughs> an oh, eagle no. or they're yeah, clipping them while the people were watching them <laughs> freeing them away. <laughs> Mum's favourite bird was yeah. a dove. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, go on. Yeah. So, yeah, no, wow. I, had to, I had to bring up that scam. That I'm was shocked a... and appalled and disgusted. I know. It's terrible, isn't it? So, uh, you've heard it here first. <laughs> uh, so, another um, question that we got was from Jim Bob. I reckon it's the fucking coolest name ever. It's like I love it. I, I love, love it, it. so <laughs> much. Let's get the two most obvious names. Uh, Aussie, Aussie, most Aussie names. names. What do you want to call it? Jim and Bob? They Jim Bob. It. We put them together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365 day returns. Jim Bob's the shit. Love shout it. Out. Love like it. Shout out to you, legend. Hey, mate, uh, just a shout out to you guys. Loving the potty and all the into it yourself and everyone has shared. Been looking at trying to get into the funeral industry for a career change for a while mm-hmm. now. And you guys have given me the kick up the ass I needed to get into it. Keep up the good work, boys. Love hearing the potty as I'm cruising the highways in my truck. Want to try and get a couple of stickers off you. So I sent him some stickers. Mate, um, I get that question quite a lot. And, and each area has its own sort of different requirements. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Let's, let's quickly go down the, the um, route of the local funeral directors. Local funeral directors, mate, you just got to pester them. Yep. You got to pester them. The rate of turnover is not usually that big, especially those little privately owned ones. Mm-hmm. Like usually when you get in there, they're in there for life. So you just got to pester them, go in there, dress nicely, yep. put your face in there, just say, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm happy to start at the bottom, sweeping the floors, whatever you need me to do, yep. and work my way through. Don't. Do not say that you just want to there to do the makeup and do the mortuary work. Say you're willing to do everything. Yeah. Okay. Because that's usually the first one that people say, oh, I'm, I'm keen to jump in the mortuary and do what. And they're like, well, that's only a part of being a funeral. Mm. You got all the other stuff. You got transfers, you got funerals, you got. And I mean, like any place, it's some shit stuff too. Washing cars, sweeping mm-hmm. floors. I mean, and Even dusting and cleaning yeah. and walk in and look clean and professional and you know once you settle in there that's when you yeah. you can grow a beard and get tattooed <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But um, when you first go in, make sure that you are cover, cover your tattoos, clean your hair, <laughs> fool them, and then, <laughs> and then two years later, trick, try, em. trick them. And you're like, yeah, suckers. Yeah, let the real yeah. Person out. Yeah. So, no, that's the worst, the, the best piece of advice I can give you. <laughs> Great advice, Brian. <laughs> Who fucking brought this woman in here? Uh, I'm finished? here today <laughs> on my last straw on I know. Brian's final nerve. <laughs> yeah. You, it was, I was like, you're like, Surprised when I said to you, you want to jump back on? You're like, oh, you you let me on again. I didn't stuff it up. <laughs> Almost did. I said, you're close. <laughs> I'm across this time. Um, anyway, back to Jim Bob, um, mate. Yeah, so just make sure make sure you um, just say you're willing to do anything you can. Okay, and then not anything. No, <laughs> within the bounds of the law. Um, with the with the but with the big with the big funeral homes, it's a little bit different. Because yeah. they've got designated spots for anything. So you you can go in there, mate. And the thing is, like, if it doesn't work in one, go to the next one. Because there's so many other bastards. Like, there's so many funeral homes. And just keep trying. Yeah, just keep – be persistent. Like, people love seeing people being persistent. Yeah. Like, I, that's what got our last couple of jobs. The guys that were persistent with it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the one thing I could give out. Um, I know there was another fellow who's looking at southeast Queensland there. He was asking, he's trying to get a this job for a driver. Same thing, mate. Just say that you're willing to do all kinds of things as well, not just driving. If you're not just driving, just say you're happy with the with the preparations, cremations, whatever the whatever they need you to be mm-hmm. on that day, you can be that person. Don't ever just specify one thing that you're going in for. Just say I'm happy to here to do anything you need me to do. Well, that's good advice for any job, though. Really, oh, you, is, like yeah. you go in and you s- will help out with anything. Yeah. But if you go in and just specify the one thing you want to do, you most likely won't get the job. So yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. So um, yeah, so I hope that um, answers some of the questions that we received. Thank you so much to everyone who has sent in some messages. Uh, we s- 
Bloody appreciate it. Thank you. Mm. I love it. I love being able to give out some advice and some, some – trying to answer some questions to help out people. So yeah. even if it does take me a couple of sentences worth, hey, or a bit of a stutter there, hey, Summer. There's nothing wrong with that, Brian, at yeah, all. that's right. We're all human. Yeah, that's yes. right. Now, moving on to our next segment. We're back again with another weird death of the week. <laughs> Sponsored by CTC, <laughs> Country Trucker Caps. Get Love around it. them. Love Knuckles, it. Knuckles, the legend, coming through with the goods. Obviously, uh, give give them a follow, a shout out, countrytruckercaps.com. Mm, great company. Great company, great people, lovely family. Oh, lovely Get around family. Them. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Summer, you're going to lead in with Weird Death of the Week. Weird Death of the Week. Well, I wanted to try and keep it Halloween themed. Yes. Um, kind of get us in the mood a little bit. Um, did you know Houdini? Is his name Harry Houdini? I think. I know. I just know it's Houdini. <laughs> Houdini actually died on October 31st um, in like 19 something. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> um, 1937. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you no. knew that. Well, the, whole, the, the point was yep. he died on Halloween 1937. Well, there you go. He um, died in a weird way. Mm. Um, there was a college student who wanted to test whether Houdini could really withstand hard punches to the abdomen because he, Houdini had stated before that he could take any punch yeah. right, to the stomach. Yeah. And so um, this young gentleman... Pounded him in the stomach <laughs> quite a few times. Gave him um, a good old pounding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gave him the left, right, good night, <laughs> right in the stomach. Um, and Houdini went on stage later that night and he had severe stomach pain, collapsed. A um, couple days later, after a few surgeries or whatever, mm. he died in hospital. And it was from the dressing room incident where the Man punched him in the stomach a few times. He burst his appendix and oh, true. and yep, stuffed up his insides a little bit. Um, <laughs> stuffed his insides up a bit, eh? Yeah, they do that. <laughs> that pounding would do that. Anyway, it doesn't just stop there. There yeah. are some eerie facts about Houdini's death to really? go with it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Harry, was his name Harry? Harry, <laughs> no. yeah, Harry, yeah. Houdini was 52 years old when he died, right? Mm-hmm. That is the exact number of playing cards in a deck. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> a prop that he used for his tricks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> was his death one big trick? Now, it's also worth noting... That Houdini was born 26 years before the start of the 20th century, right? Mm-hmm. And he died 26 years into the 20th mm. century. What? <laughs> His life was quite literally split down the middle <laughs> between two centuries. Uh. And that's it. Right, <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, so, fun. Oh, there you go. Some crazy facts to go with our weird death of the week. 52 years old. There's 52 cards in a deck of cards. 
coincidence, Brian? I don't know. I think not. Oh, yeah, right. crazy. That's it. Well, thanks to CTC. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Knuckles. <laughs> Kev will love that one. Oh, he will. Uh, it's good. Some good fun facts there, actually. I really enjoyed that. It was great. Uh, now, looking, for, looking forward to the future. Okay, so yeah. in future episodes of the Dead Ass Podcast. Okay. Um, Especially the morning show. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually had a guy reach out to us from the UK. Awesome. And um, I'm hoping he hasn't replied to my email. It's <laughs> <laughs> very promising, I'm, Brian. I know. I so it. I'm sort of crossing, I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> no, he did say he did say whatever you want. Um, but anyway, so I want to give a shout out to Justin Burgess. Okay. Now, okay. Justin Burgess is a funeral director in the UK. Okay. okay. Now, he stumbled across this podcast. And reached out to us That's so and cool. shared an email with us and said, hey, look, if you ever need like a, a funeral director's perspective mm-hmm. from the United Kingdom, yep. they'd be, he'd be happy to share with some of his experiences and stuff from an English point of view, from the British. Well, that would British be great. British point of view. <laughs> British. British. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Justin. Sorry. Yeah, no. So I'm hoping that um, in the next episode – Fingers crossed, mm-hmm. and um, that Justin may enlighten us on some of the things well, from from the UK. That'd so. be really cool because well, I, obviously I, they're a lot different to Australia. Like, well, they're different to Australia. Yeah. So yeah, obviously um, the standard sort of processes and mm. stuff involved with, would be very similar. But I'd love to see some different um, some different aspects from from those mm. down to. Um, the vehicles they use, yeah. the clothing, yeah. the process of how a funeral operates, um, what their what their traditions are like over mm. there, what the statistics are with burial and cremation. Um, yeah. I would love to hear Justin's um, experience as a funeral director, how long he's been in the industry and stuff. Um, so this was only freshly reached out, but we sort of came to an agreement where we sort of went back and forth on the e- emails where I would send him some questions mm-hmm. and then he would send us through – some of his answers. Now I'm hoping that maybe he might be able to voice record them and send them through as a recording because I'd love to hear from from the horse's mouth, you know, yeah. literally from his mouth. So yeah. I'd love not calling awesome. him a horse. No. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, not calling you a horse, brother. But oh, I'd just love to say I'd love to hear it from their point of view. Yeah, it'd um, be really cool. Yeah, and it'd be, be awesome to have it recorded. So yeah. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Justin might become our UK correspondent that would be awesome. for the morning show. And then maybe, you know, we can have a segment each time there where we have Justin tune in with, with it. Um, and then maybe one day down the, down the track we can we can incorporate him in a call or something like that. That would be sick. So that would be sick. That'd I'm be awesome. really punching out on the front here. And I really <laughs> Don't let us down, Justin. <laughs> Come on, Justin. <laughs> so, But no, shout out to Justin. He said he stumbled across this uh, and he likes it listening to it on his commute to work so that's really nice yeah it's cool it's cool that you're getting fellow funeral directors or fellow other people from across the other side of the of the the world that can uh hear this podcast so i thought that was pretty amazing um i want to give a shout out to one of the other dudes too from oklahoma who reached out to us as well says that he loves um uh loves the show too so, oh, that's nice. Um, shout out to him as well, legend. Um, I am sending him some uh, 
what is it? Uh, some stickers as well. So we get because I had some some landed over at Nottinghamshire. Ooh. So they're starting to get around the world. That's really cool. Yeah. So this is uh, I want to give a shout out to Red Stevens. Red Steve, that's an awesome name. Yeah, yeah. And he's from um, where's he from? He's from Oklahoma, Oklahoma. in the US. So shout out to you, Red, bloody legend. He sent me a picture of a um, <laughs> it's a coffee tin, but it's an urn. Oh wow! So it says, "Rest in peace." Hello, my name was, <laughs> and it's in a coffee tin. Our most modestly priced reciprocal. <laughs> I love that. Hallowed grounds, it's called. Hallowed grounds. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, so keep an eye out for that future episodes. We may have Justin come on as a UK correspondent for the morning show. So oh, my toes are numb. Sorry. What's the matter with your toes? They're numb. It's sitting on them. Um. So that was that one part there. I just wanted to share with share with the pallbearers. Um. Now where to next on my th- list here? Don't forget it's Halloween, Brian. It is Halloween. So we need some Halloween subjects yeah, to sorry. talk about. Do you have any other Halloween subjects? Let's get Halloweeny yeah. up in this bitch. <laughs> so what's so what's the next Halloween theme? So have you ever heard of a mutsafe? Sorry. <laughs> a mutsafe? Is that how you pronounce it? What a mort? Can you just spell it? A mort safe. Okay. A mort. Have a you ever mort. heard? Of, have you um, ever heard of a mort safe? No. Well. Before. No, I haven't. No. What is that? Okay. Like, really? Because I was talking to you about it in the office like two hours ago. Sorry, I think you're talking about a mort safe. Keep going. Yeah, definitely heard of that. <laughs> no. yeah. Well. <clears throat> So mort safes are the cages that you see over the top of really old um, burial sites, yeah. old um, uh, graves. Yeah. They're not used anymore. Yes. But you'll most likely find them in Scotland. Okay. All okay. right? Yep. 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 Um, so th- there's a little bit of a history behind them. Most people think that it has to do with they don't want the dead rising. Yeah, of course. And, yeah. You know, they don't want vampires yeah. coming out, that sort of stuff. But – that's not actually the case. Oh, cool. Well, fill um, me in. Well, back in the day, medisco- medical schools had very limited access to human remains. Yeah. And, um, well, anatomy professors really struggled to acquire bodies for their students to practice on and learn on blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So people who were condemned to death, they were the ones that typically went in to be studied and yeah. everything. Um. And they were they had such high demand for bodies and they couldn't get them, so it uh, people started taking them from graves, fresh graves. They would take the bodies uh. out, take them back to the school, and learn on them. Yes, okay. At the school, so these cages were actually created to stop people from thieving bodies. Uh, yes, and a lot of the time, families couldn't afford. To keep one forever, so they actually rented them out. So they would rent out these little mort, mort safes, safes um. mort safes, um, until the body was decomposed past a point that 
an anatomy professor would like him. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, sure. And this actually also led to a black market for deceased bodies. Mm. And that leads down the path to those two serial killers, Burke and Hare. Who yes. would yeah, Burke and Hare, who would actually murder people, bring the body back to um, these professors and these medical schools and get money for them. Have you seen those photos of those those medical operational rooms where you've got that, you know, the body in the middle there and then you've got all the people that would sit around up the top and that? Yeah. I'd love to go and see one of those. I For a morbid curiosity. I would too. Um, just, well, I mean, it doesn't, they don't have to be a lecture, but I'm just saying like just like just one of the, the old room. school ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um. But yes, anyway. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying, but that, no, but that's crazy though. That, that's... Yeah, but I suppose like anything, like anything, there can be it can create an industry where it, where you can make profit from it, you know, anything. Well, that was the main reason for those cages. But have you also heard of like the bells that are attached to graves, so that if yes. someone is buried alive, they can ring a bell? Yes, that's right. There was also something called a portable death chamber. This was created in Germany in the 1920s, oh, 1820s, sorry. Um, Now, it was this, your body was placed in a small chamber. It had a bell and a window in the chamber. It was placed over the top of the grave. You were in this chamber, you had a bell and a window. If the bell rung, obviously you were still alive, so they would take you out. The purpose of the window was for the night guards, the night watchmen, to walk past every night. Have a bit of a look, see if you're moving, see if you're breathing, see if there's uh. anything. Once they started to see the body was rotting through the glass window, they would pull this little lever. Yeah. The body would drop into the casket, into the ground. Huh. And then like this uh, wooden plank would skid over and it would it'd cover the grave and yep. then they'd take this death chamber off and lift it away. So it was a way of making sure that everybody... Jeez, was actually that, dead before they were It's buried. amazing to think, like, how many people must have been fucking buried alive, eh? If they've actually making preventative measures like that because they've had... Like, obviously, they must have had a lot of people fucking come back to life. Yeah. I, or misdiagnosed, like... Didn't a lot of extent. it have to do with, um, like, the plague and stuff? Yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm not very acknowledged on that because... I suppose it would be, a eh, because they wouldn't have... They, yeah, I've I, I got no idea, actually. Yes. No, well, no, well, the idea, like, I would assume it just comes down to misdiagnosis of, you know, because they don't have the, the tools to really, like... Well, that's the thing. If you have a shallow heartbeat... How many, yeah, that's right. How long, how long, how, how many years ago was it? When, I wonder when a stethoscope was made. That's probably a really good question, Because actually. really, like... Otherwise, the only time that you could you could feel a pulse, and you and you'd have to keep your finger on the pulse for at least what did you say last time? At least one minute or two minutes that those doctors are listening with their stethoscopes for. Um. Well, the thing was like they said like even after a minute, like some people you know back. Well, here you go. Look, you when did you say that? Um, that was um. When was those cages and that, mate? That was like the early 20s, were, wasn't it? Yeah, well, um, like 1829 or something. Well, it says here, um, Renee Theoph- Theophile. 
Anyway, he's a he's the dude behind the stethoscope. He's a French physician. Physician. Doctor. Physician. Please continue. In 1816, he invented the stethoscope. 1816. And he used mm-hmm. he investigated he investigated the sounds made by the the heart and lungs and determined that his diagnosis was supported by the observations made during autopsies. Okay. So he, they, yeah, that's so, amazing. Okay. Well, he invented it in 1816, but imagine how long it took for that to like circulate around the world as well. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly right. You know, so yeah. people didn't even have a stethoscope. Like it's how not like he would have drop shipped them through Australia Post or something. Well, it says what was used before the stethoscope. As many great inventions, the stethoscope was created out of a simple need. In the early 19th century, doctors listened to a patient's heartbeat and breath sounds by placing an ear directly to the patient's chest or back. So they had to place it. How, how easy was it that you could miss a heartbeat? Oh, easy. You have a shallow heartbeat. Well, the, yeah, they probably actually buried a lot of people alive without realising. Mm. Was the nation practised through immediate listening to the chest? Yeah, by the ear, directly by the ear. So uh, that's... There you go. That's a little bit of a history there for you. Well, that makes sense why people would misconstrue the mis- misdiagnose someone's death. And it's funny because it seems really prevalent over in um, like European areas. So it must also have something to do with the cold. Cold, yeah. yeah. Slowing down the heartbeat. Yeah. Also, too, like just the sheer amount of people dying back then, too, yeah, with the volume true. of people dying. Like, you know, like in a confined area, like. And then what would be the chances that they could even get a doctor there? Oh, yeah, exactly. I wonder how many people would probably assume that the person had died. And, you know, they just say, oh, maybe he's dead. So, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting stuff, eh? On that note, mm. just a little um, folklore, like because we're talking about, you know, ancient folklore and yeah. all that sort of stuff for Halloween. I just wanted to touch on a little bit of... Folklore about vampires and werewolves. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So, you know the belief that garlic repels vampires, right? Mm. Um, well, a little bit of it might actually be grounded in fact because garlic um, has a compound in it called alicin. Alice, yeah, yeah it's al- an anti- al- isn't it antibacterial? Yeah, it's um, it's a powerful antibiotic. Yeah, there you go. So. Um, some people believe that the phrase vampires was started because there's a few blood diseases, one in particular called porphyria, porphyria. Hmm. Um, it can cause people to look pale. <clears throat> their teeth will look bigger because their gums shrink. Yeah. And garlic makes these symptoms worse. So people who were like that, People ah. thought they were vampires yeah. and they didn't like garlic. Yes, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it makes that, sense. that could be one of the origins of, you know, yeah. vampire law. And the same sort of thing with werewolves um, because there are certain medical conditions that can mimic um, the appearance of a werewolf, you know, like um, hypertrichosis. It creates unusually long hair on the face and the body, you know, like – the bearded lady and things like that. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's probably one of those conditions. And then they have extreme sensitive 
sensitivity to light, so they'll only go out at uh, night time. Yeah, okay. And they might have seizures and things like that. Uh. So, you know, you see them like tossing and turning on the ground, you think, oh, they're changing into a wolf. Uh. So, yeah, there you go. There you go. I never, uh, so that might be some back, there might be a little bit of um, foresight behind some of the reasons why you hear these folklores or whatever they are. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. there were serious medical conditions back in the day and people didn't know otherwise. Well, a lot of the things are come up with stories from back in the day. I mean, the you know, witches and mm. because there's that uh, supposedly that ergot or there was this um, bacteria that was going through the bread or back in the wheat. The bacteria in the wheat back in the day where yeah. uh, there was a bad batch of it that went through. So every, whoever was um, eating it was ingesting this hallucinogen and then they will having hallucinogenic thoughts and doing all this weird stuff and they thought that they were crazy people, that they are witches or whatever and they are burning them but they were just tripping out. <laughs> so I did, yeah, I heard about like that. that. I'm, I'm, paraf- I'm paraphrasing it a heap but um, you hear that sort of stuff but that's what sort of has done it, you know. yeah. I think, to be honest, a lot of that witch um, trials, Salem, all that sort of stuff, mm. probably was more along the lines of something like this. Hey, Susie, you want to go out on a date with me? I'm sorry, Jim, I'm, I'm not interested. Oh, that's okay. Witch burner! <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure the old, to work out a, who a witch was, was like one of the first mass-produced books in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. You sure it wasn't the Bible? I think it was before the Bible because they really. Well, don't quote me. It didn't wasn't it English translated? Wasn't it the Bible? Oh, uh, the tra- yeah, it was translated yeah. into English, wasn't it? In uh, testing my knowledge. Uh, now I'm I'm really I'm really pulling strings here, but um. Uh, what book printed on the printing press started with? Uh, uh, I think it was printing press. It was first. I think the first mass-produced one was. I'm, I might be stretching, but we'll find the answer to that on the next episode. But regardless, <laughs> um, any regardless, put the Bible aside. It was. It would have been the first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <clears throat> I think so. I, I might. I might be because it was right around that sort of time when the you know was the trials of the witches and all that sort of stuff because people wanted to know what the, what to expect. Yeah, okay. There was, a, there was a how to, it was a knowledge it was a book to how to determine who how to spot a, a spot witch. A, spot a witch, yeah. 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 So there you go. That's a um I am pretty sure it is. I might be wrong. Go and buy Yeah, so a little bit of knowledge there for you. You got yeah. any other Halloween special themed? Uh, <coughs> You're right. Because if you don't, oh, yeah. well, you know, what's, what's one thing that you see a lot of Halloween stuff related to? Um, mummies. <gasps> mummies, yeah, yes, mummies. of course. So I might, what I might do is I might just brief over. So mummification, so, you know, we talked about plenty of times, you know, I've, done some, I've talked about embalming cases and stuff, and I always pay homage to um, mummification, the Egyptians as being sort of the, the forefathers of... Um, the embalming process and everything mm. like that. Even though technically it's not embalming, it's I would class it as like mummification is a whole thing in itself. It's not embalming. It's it was preserving. Well, I guess I it is. Yeah, feel it's like we probably got embalming from yes, yes. Like we so took the, the yes. idea from that. Well, yeah, in a way, uh, I think just the word embalming I think is probably the best way to say preserving. Yeah. Or, yeah. 
and the, and mummification is a way of preserving. So that's me probably making the connection between the two. Yeah. But they are definitely recognised for it. So, I you know there's. It's funny because like like anything, you know, like over the years, like you perfect the art, you make better at the art mm-hmm. and then become – the same thing goes for the Egyptian period too. So the early dynastic period, Egyptians were really basic, really simple forms of mummification. Okay. And as the dynasty periods change over the years and they develop and they get better, the same thing happens with – the embalming process with, okay. the, with the mummification process. Right. More involvement comes in as they develop and get better as a civilization. you could say. Now I'm talking okay. about the fact of the difference between 6,000 BC right up to, you know, right up to the last remnants of – so this is over yeah, the – so okay. when I say development over the mummification process, mm. I'm talking about several thousands of years. Yeah, wow, okay. okay. So yeah. this isn't just like from the 1800s to the – yeah. To the 2000s, yeah. you know, where we are, where we might be talking the space of 100 years or yeah. 200, 150 years. This is thousands. This is thousands of years. Um, so, so let, I'll, I'll, re- beef, I'll briefly read over um, the, the main, the whole process of the, from the pre dynastic period to the late, you know, um, late period as well of Egyptians. And then in further episodes, we might go down the, might go down the, the, the more in-depth process, but okay. to give people a bit of an idea. So yeah. a lot of this stuff, that I want to give hom- uh, pay respects to Albany Institute of History and Art. This is where I got most of the information from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give them a shout out. Now, so during the pre-dynastic period, so between 6,000 to 3,000 BC, Egyptians buried their dead in shallow oval graves dug in the desert. Okay. Corpses were preserved because hot, dry sand naturally absorbs bodily fluids. Makes sense. Egyptians came to believe that the preserved bodies were home to a soul that was still living. Okay. Once Egypt was unified into a single state and stone tombs and coffins were made, the bodies no longer in contact with the drying sands began to deteriorate. Believing it was necessary to keep the body intact, the Egyptians first began to artificially preserve them. Okay. So, I mean, when you say artificially preserved, that I guess that's a great way to um, um, say an embalmer. So basically they wanted to preserve their people because they believed that they would still have a soul and be with them. That's right, right, yeah. 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 Um, I just want to make sure I bloody pronounce this right too. Let's, Let's get the right pronunciation. So... Um, I'm pretty sure it's Kunapik, but we'll pronounce it just in case. It's just to get it right. Canopic jar. Oh, Canopic. Canopic. Canopic jar. They're the jars canopic. that they put the uh, organs into. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like That's later yeah. on down the period. I couldn't remember how to pronounce it properly. Canopic. Sure. Canopic. Yeah, so... Um, so once Egypt was unified, I'll go back again. Once yeah. Egypt was unified into a single state and stone tombs and coffins were made, the bodies no longer in contact with the drying sands began to deteriorate. Okay. Believing it was necessary to keep the body intact, the Egyptians first began to artificially preserve them. Some of the corpses were wrapped in layers of linen, soaked in resin, a liquid plant waste product similar to sap that hardens to a transparent solid. Each finger, toe, and limb was wrapped separately. 
The organs and skin decompose completely, leaving just a skeleton wrapped in linen. In an attempt to counteract this, the Egyptians tried to create physical features of padded linen in a shape to similar to a human body. Okay. Now, during the fourth dynasty, so now we're going down to 2600 to 2494 AD. So it's gone from almost like six to 3,000 3, years, yeah, wow. which, is long, which is further away from what we are to these people than what, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's pretty crazy. Like yeah. to think that the early pre-dynastic period, we're closer to these people than they are to this. That's in, to the first lot of Egyptians. We're closer yeah. to them than they are. During the fourth dynasty, it became common practice to remove the corpse's organs. Sometimes the body was filled with vegetable matter to give a more lifelike appearance. Okay. The organs were placed in containers called canopic uh, jars. These jars were kept in the burial chamber with the body so that the organs could be reunited with the body in the afterlife. Okay. The embalmers also use natron, a salt uh, found in the desert to artificially dry out the body. Okay. By the early Middle Kingdom, they were made the first attempts to remove the brain through the base of the skull. During the same time period, face masks were created for mummies. The masks were constructed of plaster-soaked Papyrus or linen, um, painted and gilded, then placed over the head of the mummy. In the New Kingdom, so this is 1550 to 1060 BC. Once again, like I said, look how close they are. We're 3,000 years from them. It's closer than the pre Yeah, wow. Period. Embalming became more and more sophisticated. Like I was saying, you know, like over the years, as the techniques get better, they get more better at it. Yeah. yeah. Embalmers began to artificially compensate for the loss of lifelike features. They made slits in the skin of the torso and limbs to insert mixtures of sawdust, fat, linen and salt to imitate muscle. Wow. During the third immediate period, so 1070 BC to six, um, 650 BC. So this, you know, this is like 500 years in, in the la, in the third period, yeah. how many years are made over this? You know, it's crazy to think a civilization was lasting this long. Embalmers coated the body with resins and sometimes even added artificial eyes. Resin, By, did you say? Resin, yeah. So that, yeah. that sappy material that they're talking about. Yeah. By the late period, embalmers start to fill bodies with molten resin rather than more realistic sawdust or um, linens. Egyptians continued to mummify the dead in preparation for the afterlife up until the advent of Christianity in Egypt around 500 AD. Ah. So for thousands of years, thousands of years, they practiced the art of mummification or embalming, inverted commas, um, for... Until year 500. Until, until Christianity <laughs> overtook the world. Yeah. You know, isn't that crazy to think that they, that they performed that for such a long thing? And yeah. But that's not just that's not just um, you know that's not not just to humans. They also did that to their animals and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Certain am animals and stuff. Because like that. cats were yeah. So you know, like part of their part of the process as well. You know, actually, it's I didn't realize that they tried to imitate muscle and fat and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it's pretty. Were... It's pretty crazy, isn't it? The whole process in itself is is phenomenal. Like it really is. Um, you know, we. In the next episode, what I might do is I might touch on the whole process, like the the mummification process in yeah, general. Yeah, that would because be Because cool. it actually does take quite a while. Like it, there's actually like a, a 
like a quite a long period of time that's involved in it. Like there's oh, a 40 right. days. They actually rub that, that salt that they were talking about that they case the body with it. That's yeah. over, I think that's about 40 days. It wow. takes 40 days to do that, that they do that. The body's like sort of in that limbo stage for so long before they do that. I think the process takes about 70 days. I wonder how many people they had dying. Mm. Oh, well, how, that's it. Like how? Because like, it goes 40 days worth of this. They must have been really busy. Well, yeah, yeah. It's interesting seeing some of the – and like when they wash the body, they were washing the body in the water from the Nile because the Nile was regarded as the, the holy – like it's a yeah. uh, special water itself. Like it's – so we'll get into it on the next one, but – That'd be really cool. Yeah, just mm. we'll, we'll take the extra time to really break down that part because, you know, this one's a little bit of a different one being the Halloween special. Yes. <laughs> so – um, yeah, so that that'd be really cool. Taste, I would so. love to go in depth about mummies. Mm. I think that'd be really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll touch on that more, but um, pretty much that's all we have for today. Just on, a bit of Halloween fun, hey? yeah, a bit of Halloween fun. Get the old Kelly the Skelly, whatever his name is, <laughs> get him to join us in the uh, studio for the episode. Uh, just want to give a shout out again, once again, to all the Paul Bearers who've liked and followed the page, um, all the support. We received the questions come through. Please feel free to send us through more questions. Uh, loving the we've we've I've had another five hundred stickers come through too. So feel free to uh, send us your postal address mm-hmm. and we'll send out some stickers and stuff. And uh, from there we'll um, definitely touch up on the next uh, episode of the morning show. Mm. So thanks for having me again. No, you're welcome. Might be your last. <laughs> <laughs> To see how we go, <laughs> yeah. hey? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> Shut up, I'll turn up my down. You're right. <laughs> Catch us all later, eh? See you guys. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.